We are very grateful for your presence today. If you're visiting, we want you to know that you are an honored guest. As always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every occasion that you have. We have a number of visitors that come our way every week, and we're very grateful for that. We've had a large number of people that have placed membership with us, and we're grateful for that, and we appreciate them joining hands with us. And it may be the case that you're looking for a church home, and we want to encourage you to make Olive Branch your home. The elders here would be happy to talk to you, answer any questions that you might have. And I know that there is a place where you can serve in the kingdom right here. And we would love to have you join hands with us. We have had a number of people that have been baptized into Christ. And we had one this past week. Uh, Tana was baptized and we are grateful for that. We've had a number of young, young folks that have been baptized. And we pray that we will continue this trend. We're going to be looking today at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to be talking today about the theme, Jesus did it all for us. When we look at scripture, we find that the redemptive plan of God involved Jesus Christ. God, as you well know, sent his son to save us from sin. As a matter of fact, John would tell us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. And there's some things about Jesus that we would do well to consider on a regular basis. When we talk about Jesus doing it for us, in other words, Jesus going to the cross for us, there's some things behind that that we ought to consider. First of all, I want to suggest to you that Jesus loves you. There are a lot of things that we could talk about in Scripture that relate to Jesus. But I think about the simple yet profound fact that Jesus loves you. You remember that song that you learned when you were just a small child? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's a fact. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at verse 14, Paul said, For the love of Christ constrains us. I want you to think for just a minute about the depth of Christ's love. There are many passages that we could appeal to in relationship to the love of God and to the love of Christ. But Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus came to earth with one purpose in mind going to the cross. Jesus willingly went to the cross on our behalf. The backdrop of the cross is the love of God and the love of Christ. You remember Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came to this earth because he loves you and because he loves all of the human family. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talked about the love of Christ and he said it surpasses all knowledge. I'm not sure that we could 
I'm not sure that we could really articulate the depth of the love of God or the love of Christ for that matter. But I want you to think with me in connection to the depth of Christ's love, the demonstration of Christ's love. In verse 14, here's what Paul said as we think about the fact that Jesus loves us. He said, for the love of Christ constrains us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. How did Jesus demonstrate or manifest his love for us? He went to the cross, didn't he? He literally laid down his life for us. Now we talk about the reality of Christ's love. Over and over again, the Bible talks about the love of the Lord. The Hebrew writer said in chapter 2 at verse 9 that Jesus tasted death for every man. Paul said in verse 15 that Jesus died for all. So when we talk about the fact that Jesus loves us, that he loves you, he died for you. That's how he demonstrated his love for you. He went to the cross willingly, submissively, and humbly. Now as we talk about the reality of his love, what about reciprocating that love? Did you know that the Lord wants you to love him? The Lord Jesus Christ wants you to reciprocate that love, just as God in heaven wants you to love him. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that we love him because he first loved us. We demonstrate our love for the Lord by honoring his will. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John would say, this is the love of God, that you keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And so we honor Almighty God, we honor the Son by doing his will. Submitting to his will. That's how we show that we love him. Now, as I said a minute ago, it's difficult for us to articulate the love of God and the love of Christ. I'm not sure that the human vocabulary can do it justice. But when you step back and you look at the amazing love of Almighty God, there are a lot of things that you could say about the scriptures as they relate to Jesus and God the Father. But one thing is absolutely sure. Jesus loves you. Let me give you a second thing. Not only does Jesus love you, but Jesus was lifted up for you. Did you know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was lifted up with you in mind? Jesus would say in the Gospel of John, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. Let me first of all, Talk about the sacrifice of Christ. When we talk about or when we think about the sacrifice of Christ, it involved first the sinless Lamb of God. We sang just a moment ago about the Lamb of God, the sweet Lamb of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, here's what Paul said. For he, that is God, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus was the sinless Lamb of God. And he was willing to go to the cross for you. Peter said that Christ did no sin. 
Neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth. So, the sinless Lamb of God went to the cross. Why did he go to the cross? Well, Paul tells us. He was not just the sinless Lamb of God, but he was the substitutionary Lamb of God. Look at the latter part of verse 21. He said, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did you know that Jesus Christ went to the cross and took our place? Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said that he bore our sins in his own body, that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. So Jesus went to the cross for me. That's what Paul is saying here that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God with him. Now, we talk about the sacrifice of Christ, but consider also the service of Christ. Two things here. First of all, let's think for just a minute about the fact that Jesus is the person of reconciliation. Look at verse 18. Here's what Paul said, All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, to God. Now, Paul was an apostle of Christ. He was an ambassador of Christ. Wherever Paul went, he preached the gospel. His intent, his desire to see people saved and, and to see people continue that life in Christ. But here Paul is talking about the fact that man was separated from Almighty God. When mankind fell in the Garden of Eden, God immediately introduced the promised seed in chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis. From that point forward, we find that plan of redemption unfolding bit by bit, piece by piece in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the thrust, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one is coming. The New Testament affirmation, the Christ has come. You remember when the angel of God said to Joseph that Mary would bring forth a son and he said, you will call his name Jesus, for it is he that shall save his people from their sins. Jesus came to reconcile fallen mankind. You see, man was alienated from Almighty God, and yet Jesus stood between the two and brought them together, made reconciliation possible. So Jesus is the person of reconciliation, but think also of the place of reconciliation. That's the church. In Ephesians 2, verse 16, Paul would say that Christ has reconciled both, that is, Jew and Gentile, in one body unto God through the cross. Now, sometimes people will wave off the church and say, well, it's, it's a, a non-factor, a non-entity. It's not really that important. Well, when you look at the scriptures, you find that Jesus and his church are inseparable. You see, Jesus purchased the church with his blood, according to Acts 20, verse 28. 
It was founded by the Lord Jesus Christ. It was built and bought by him, according to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. When we obey the gospel of Christ, we are added to that divine body. We become a member of the church that we read about in the New Testament. Think about Acts chapter 2. On Pentecost Day, Peter preached the gospel to multitudes of people assembled in Jerusalem. And the Bible says in verse 37 that they were cut or pricked in their hearts. And they cried out unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In verse 47 of chapter 2, the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Verse 41 says some 3,000 people were baptized that very day. So why is it imperative for us to be a member of the church? Well, because reconciliation takes place in the church. And those who are in the church are in that body that the Lord has promised to save. In Ephesians 5.23, Paul said that Christ is the Savior of the body. And so, think about it this way. Christ is the person of reconciliation and the church is the place of reconciliation. Now, when you look at what Paul is saying here, his emphasis is on being reconciled to God. Paul understood that there were a lot of people that were alienated from God. They had no relationship with God. His desire, his plea, be reconciled to God. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. And that is the fact that Jesus will liberate you. We talk about the fact that Jesus loves you, and that is absolutely 100% true. Not only does Jesus love you, but he was lifted up for you. But thirdly, he will liberate you. When I think about the liberating effects of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are a lot of passages of Scripture that come to mind. But I want to begin by talking about the importance of being in Christ. Because you see, when you are in Christ, there are some things that you enjoy that people in the world don't enjoy. First, there is liberation. Secondly, there is transformation. And thirdly, there is consecration. Let's begin by thinking about liberation. Listen to what Paul said in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The liberating effects of the gospel. To know that in Jesus my sins can be washed away. John said in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. Did you know that the blood of Jesus can cleanse any and every sin? When Paul went to the city of Corinth, the Bible says that many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Do you remember what Paul said to the Romans where Sin abounds, grace abounded more. Some of those in the city of Corinth were adulterers, some idolaters, some, he said, were fornicators, others homosexuals. 
Some were thieves, others covetous, some drunkards, others revilers. But it said, you were washed. They enjoyed the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. In Ephesians 1, 7, Paul said, in him or in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There is no sin too great that cannot be forgiven by a loving God in heaven. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, what you've said. God has the ability, God has the power to forgive you of sin. There are a lot of folks in our world today, they think they are beyond the scope of redemption. They think that there's just no way God would ever want them in his family. I promise you, that's the devil's lie. God wants you to be saved. As a matter of fact, Paul said God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Peter said God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God is interested in the human family. Jesus died for all. He paid the price for all. So we think about the liberation that we enjoy in Christ. But then what about this transformation? Paul had said if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. When you're baptized into Jesus Christ, you die to the love and the practice of sin. That old man dies. That's the picture in Romans chapter 6. When Paul said, know you not that all we who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, we were therefore buried with him in baptism unto death. So we die to the love and the practice of sin. We rise, as Paul would say, to walk in newness of life. That is a transformation. Listen again to what Paul said. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3 about the new birth? He said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God or cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought he was talking about a physical birth. So Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We talk about a birth, the birth of a baby, a brand new baby being born into this world. Well, Jesus is talking spiritually about the new birth. You see, when a person is baptized into Christ, they die to the love and the practice of sin, and they rise to walk in newness of life. I want to ask you a question. Do you know of any other religion? any other philosophy, any other science that can promise you a new start on life. You know of anything? Do you know of anything out there that can give you the opportunity to, I mean, start absolutely fresh in life? A clean start? Christianity affords you that opportunity. I mentioned just a moment ago the people in Corinth. Paul spent 18 months in Corinth preaching the gospel. As I said, many of the Corinthians heard the gospel, they believed it, and they were baptized into Christ. Now we talk about this transformation that occurs in Christ. Go back and look at chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, where Paul said, The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, or drunkards shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. Here were people that had been mired in a life of sin. 
They were lost. And yet when Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians, do you know how he began that? Do you know how he began that book? To the church of God at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Here were people that had been mired in a life of sin, and yet Paul is saying, look, you are a saint of the Most High God. You have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. You belong to the family of God, the church. That's transformation. That tells me that a new life is possible. Look around in our world today and look at some of the people whose lives are off track, who have been beaten up by the world, who've been beaten down, there are a lot of folks in our world today, they, they have the idea there is absolutely no hope for me. Christianity says that's not true. There's hope for you. Christianity says I don't care where you are, I don't care what you've been, you can be a changed person. You can be redeemed. You can be reconciled. You can be a member of the body of Christ. You can live a new life. Starting afresh. I tell you, that's an appealing concept. I want to ask you, would you like to start anew? Maybe your life's not what it ought to be. Maybe your life is far from what it ought to be. You've got the opportunity to start fresh today. There's a third thing. And that is consecration. When we understand the liberation that comes through Christ and the transformation of character through Christ, it changes us. It, 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 it brings about a change in the way I look at life. It's not about me anymore. It's about living for God. So look at what Paul said. Verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we judge thus, that if anyone died for us or died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. When I understand the liberation that exists in Christ, the transformation of character, then I am 100% on board in terms of committing my life to the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to live a life of consecration to Almighty God. When Paul wrote to the church, the churches of Galatia, he talked about his life of faith. And he said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He said that Christ loved me and gave himself for me. So he was totally committed to the Lord. If you have been born again and you are a child of God, your life ought to be one of consecration. You understand what the Lord has done for you. You understand what the Lord can do through you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's only when we understand what God has done for us that we can truly give ourselves to him. It's true, Jesus did it all for you. 
The Bible's an amazing book. The psalmist in the long ago said, my heart stands in awe of your word. We stand in awe of the fact that Jesus loves us, that Jesus was lifted up for us, and that Jesus will liberate us. Today, as we do every week, we extend the Lord's invitation. We do that because we want people to be saved. We want to see people begin a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth back in chapter 4, he said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord. Our goal is to lift high the Son of God. There are a lot of messages out there in the world, and the world bombards us with any number of things, a lot of philosophies out there, a lot of things that are so off track, it's unbelievable. And sometimes we, sometimes we lose our way in this world. Sometimes we lose our way in life. Sometimes we fail to understand the Lord loves us. He was lifted up for us, and he can liberate us. The design of this message is to remind us that God, God in his infinite mercy and grace can save you and make you what you ought to be. Have you been baptized into Christ? If not, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Son of God. Peter had it right when he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you believe that? Would you be willing to repent, to just give up a life of sin, to confess his name before others, and then to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism, to rise to walk in newness of life, as Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. You can start today afresh. It may be that you're here and somewhere along the way you quit living for the Lord. Your life's not what it ought to be. You're a baptized believer but you haven't been faithful for a long time. Could I encourage you to come home? We are family. And as family members we love one another, we pray for one another, we encourage one another. We bear one another's burdens. James said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can start afresh today if you live the life of a prodigal. Wherever you are in this life, whatever your situation, the Lord can help you as we stand and sing.